0: Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. So glad that you're here. I'm Chris and I'm Jake. And uh, man, this must be like our 10th episode. I believe it at is. this
1: point. So episode 10.
0: Yay. I wish Should, I had like some. I like was going to say we need like a, a or...
1: special feature to promote it. Yes.
0: This is officially the 10th celebration episode <laughs> situation, which we didn't prepare <laughs> for at all. And I just pulled that uh, on my ass. Should've. But this is the we, uh, this is tenth episode
1: t- like top 10 something for for episode ten. Top 10. Let's do the top 10 episodes. Okay, so, the last ten. <laughs> the last ten. <laughs> yep, that's it. Oh no, well, you know, thanks to uh, the listeners for, I guess, checking us out, and hopefully you share with your friends. Yeah, that's, that's for the next ten.
0: That's yeah, reward us with uh, spreading the word. There you go. And that'll be they, your gift. As us. they say, keeping the pirate ship afloat on some of the other podcasts I listen to. So
1: that's. I don't get that reference.
0: The pirate ship. Remember, have you ever seen that movie with uh, with where they have the the radio station on the ship? And they have, like, well, this, I can't remember the name of the movie, but they've got a radio station on a ship, and they just floated out next to, like, some city, and they is broadcast. Pirate Radio? Yes, it is. <laughs> it's called Pirate Radio. Is that the name of the movie? I think so. I haven't seen it. So, that, anyway, that's what Anyways, it's about. It's about okay. keeping the pirate ship afloat. It's about, you know, supporting us, and that's that's great.
1: Anyway. So, we'll get right into it. What, what have you been up to this week? I noticed when I pulled in, uh, you have your sport wagon back. I do. I've got the sport wagon back, which I'm happy to have back although it still does have push button start
0: which kind of I'm kind of tired of it now i had okay. the, the the other car i had was that uh what's it called alltrack yep and it has push button start but the key was dead and it was when it was really cold so i don't know if it was cold dead or dead dead or whatever but the thing had 1500 miles on it okay the battery and the key was dead
1: did we talk about this last week no okay no, so tell
0: didn't. me so i was bitching about other stuff that last week but this is yeah. this is kind of a a new complaint we can
1: always rely on you for bitching and complaining yeah well that's yeah that's what i'm here for
0: <laughs> um is to tell everybody what they should be thinking and also complaining about because
1: you like it when when people so you what that.
0: you have to do is on the steering column there's like a little rather than having a keyhole
1: right there's it's a, where the ignition key would be right
0: it's where the ignition key would be is there a little picture of like a little radio signal okay. you have to hold the key up and then hit the button
1: if the battery's dead you're if saying the battery's the dead fob.
0: so Basically, you're doing twice as amount of work that you would have been doing in the first place. <laughs> if you just
1: had a key why to not, actually put in. Why don't they just
0: have both? Why don't they have a keyhole yeah. and a button? You can have both. Sure. That way you've got your thing you can do. You can hit the button so well, you feel like you're in a spaceship or whatever it is reason that yeah. they have that. And then you can put the key in the slot and turn it if you'd like to. Because I miss that. I really miss just turning the key. I it's agree. Just, it, was,
1: it was kind of an event. It was symbolic, maybe. Yeah. It was, it was, in, it was the inception whole... of your trip. Yeah, this whole keyless ignition, it was a solution to a problem that really didn't exist, you know? The the push button, I remember when that first came out, you still had a physical key you put in the ignition, but then you'd hit the push button start, and that was kind of cool. I think, like, the S2000 was one of the first ones that did it. And Audi was really into it. And that was, you know, it, it harkened back to, like, race cars, you know, usually just have a push button start, so that was cool. And the keyless thing I get is convenient... But like you said, why can't you? But just you still the thing with the race cars, you key. have a push
0: button start because you don't need a key. Right. So you don't need a key at all. You just have the push button. You just get in and push the button or whatever. Flip a switch. You know. Turn so it's it like on. center
1: lock like wheels, meaning it works on a race car, it's but sure. it's pointless in a. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. So it's
0: I I just don't understand. I just why can't you just have the option and like just I agree. turn the turn the thing and the the Volkswagen ones are really good. Like when you feel the turn of the key, they're good. It's got a good spring, good detent. You're in saying it. an
1: old school ignition no, even key. like
0: a 2002 or something, okay. a Mark IV. They feel good. You got the key with the switchblade. You hit High the button. High quality ignition. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You hit the button. The key swaps out. And it was always like a cool thing. They had the switchblade key in a Volkswagen. Right. and It was cool. And the new cars still have the switchblade, but there's nowhere to put it. Oh, really? The, yeah, key, the key is, is still, still the there. Same. It's still there. So huh. I always wondered like if you cut that thing off, if there's an ignition switch behind there. But I don't think there is. I don't think there's Yeah, there. because
1: then why wouldn't they just make it, you know, like that yeah. would be how you... Started, you yeah. know, If you ran your audited battery, anyway. So, so that's stupid. no, that's frustrating. And the
0: Tahoe one feels like shit. It's like, like it doesn't
1: have a good feel. <laughs> I like how we're talking about the finer points of your feel <laughs> of your ignition. It's key. important. It's
0: the 911 one feels great. It's it Even feels really it's good.
1: 1972. You know? Yeah, it
0: feels good. Well, the key looks like. Uh, um like a skeleton finger like someone that like it's a totally anorexic key it's been worn out like all oh, that's oh. kind of like around when you slide it in it's like and it just kind of so goes could probably in.
1: just start it with a, a screwdriver at this point you, because you easily you, could or if you could find a key that's similar <laughs> right like
0: it would probably Speaking start anyway of
1: which i think it was back in there was a year range from like the late 1970s to the early 90s where ford i think it came out that they only had like Something ridiculous like twenty one different key combinations. (laughs) So odds were that you could take your key and if you were to go around a parking lot and try all the cars, you would be able to start at least a couple of them. That would be awesome.
0: What if you had a car that was the same color and you got in it at the grocery store and and there's somebody
1: else's kid in the back seat and you get home and you're like, oh shit. And I remember reading about this when I had uh, my Mustang back in high school and college, and I had a beater old Ford truck. So I had it was like a '95 Mustang and a '77 beater F one fifty and the key from the Mustang would work in the F-150. That's awesome. You think it's because it was the same key or was... Did, well, because it was both? so worn. I did so and they, they weren't identical. Okay. No, it wasn't the same, but I think they were close enough and they are the both tumblers are worn. worn. Exactly. I mean, at that
0: point, think how many keys, how many times it's gone in there, in and out of there. Just the friction, just in and out. <laughs> what is it, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's why you like the key. It's I like do. an innuendo, it right? It is, yeah. That's a that's good idea. Maybe that's, maybe that's what it engagement. is. So I was driving on the way to the podcast today okay. and i was going to get the car washed right because it's actually a warm day it's a warm day you're in the 37 degrees Minnesota. and like we said on other podcasts below zero they're not open so your right. car just looks like it was covered in chalk basically I'm like, yeah Great, because I'll they wash the salt car. the road so much there were 10 cars in oh, line at the car wash that is nothing and then i went to another car wash and there was like 15 cars yes and, and you, i'm thinking about the do them investment math. do the math because people takes... are sitting there
1: for yes. 45 minutes yes i'm like who has time for this to sit there what are they doing So it's either people don't have the foresight to count and say okay four minutes at each car times however many back i am i'm gonna be sitting here for 45 minutes and then they either get stuck, they stuck don't in the middle realize it and they can't leave because they're exactly stuck. oh man it's either that or they just simply want to wash the car that bad i don't know I, i've always thought that was the stupidest i'm gonna leave thing. here
0: and there's gonna be nobody there by the time I get Probably. over there after this, it'll be maybe one or two cars. Yeah. But I took a video of it, and I'll, I'll post it up, of me driving by the entire line of cars. I know. And I see that all the time. And n- not only that, but these guys are getting their car washed. It's 37 degrees. Okay. The first thing they're doing is going out and driving it and getting sprayed with yeah, a bunch it's more It's going to be
1: clean for about
0: five, five minutes. minutes. Yeah, yeah. exactly, because it's, it's the sloppy, wet... And it's it's all just gonna get dirty again. I don't I know it's it's kinda
1: pointless, but at the same time I get the appeal. Like I wanna have to wash the car. Otherwise it'll just rust. It'll just (laughs) turn
0: to shit, yeah, almost immediately.
1: So anyway. So that's your car. What's been going on with you? Rant. Um, you know, so speaking of having a, a rusty vehicle of well, it's not rusty, but you know, in our winter, I feel like cars just they get beat on a bit harder. You know, regardless of what the car is, you well, yeah, everything you takes a little ice more punishment. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and the cold in itself. So I noticed the other day on my truck that I had this warning come up in the display panel, and it said um, traction control failure. And I thought, oh, okay, well, that just means like my Your traction ABS. control button is off or ABS, right? Yeah. So, and that wasn't a big deal, and it was kind of intermittent. It would come off, and then you restart the car, and, and it wouldn't come on. So, so I the started, car
0: immediately became more
1: fun because exactly, no traction right? control. That's yeah. what I assumed, and it wasn't a big issue. But then I started Googling, and they go, "Oh well, what that could be is if your brake switch isn't registering, it'll automatically turn off your traction control for some reason. It's part of the same system. So like the, on the pedal, the brake yes. switch on the pedal. So what okay, that good. means is my brake lights weren't working for like oh, a full why week. Why doesn't it
0: just say? It? Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> Right. Why wouldn't they say? So your your brake
1: lights aren't working. Like that seems so much more serious. You're the asshole in the Hummer truck with no fucking brake lights. Exactly. You dick. And it took me a while (laughs) to realize it's like because that was one thing it could have been. And sure enough, I was like pulling out of a gas station, looking at the reflection in the windows, and I was like, oh yeah, my brake lights are not going on. So I've been driving around for a week with no brake lights. That's worse than the guy with no trailer lights. Yeah. Exactly. So I just thought that was... Is it a pressure switch or just like an electric yeah, switch? Yeah, and it's interesting. There's there's two separate switches, which I don't know why one wouldn't be a fail-safe then. One's okay. for something different. I think one might be for cruise, cruise control. control. It's yep. a separate actual mechanism. So okay. it's cheaper to buy the entire pedal assembly, which I just got in the mail, than buying the one little switch. Wow. Well, yeah. that's going to suck to do, I bet. I yeah. haven't looked at it yet. It's going to be awesome. The light, the light, The warning went away. And so now my brake lights work again. Oh, good. But it's intermittent. So I could probably drive home and not have brake lights at this point. So you're driving it right now? Yeah. (laughs) Told
0: you, Chris, I'm not the smartest. Yeah, I guess. Jesus. So
1: that's been interesting. Okay. You know, but uh, speaking of quality cars, you know who does have quality cars? Auctions? Luther Westside Volkswagen. Luther Westside Volkswagen is the number one Volkswagen dealership in the country. They have the best selection of European cars in the Twin Cities. They have a unique inventory for all your needs. Uh, They also have a brand new facility that you should come check out today. They have friendly sales staff that are comprised of true enthusiasts who support the local scene. They're into autocrossing, SCCA. They're great guys that will work with you on finding your next car. You can find them at westsidevw.com. Speaking of quality cars, uh, just
0: the last kind of throwback to 2017 here is I wanted to talk about the the most expensive cars that were auctioned off in 2017. Okay. And some of them are kind of, some of them I'm like, oh, I didn't even really know I would, that that was a valuable car. I would look at it and go, car. I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's old. You yeah. Know, I wouldn't even know why it's valuable right. or anything okay. like that. So
1: this is the top 10, or it's not a top 10 list, but it's the most expensive cars sold. The 10 most expensive cars sold at auction in 2017. Right. Okay. So, we're going backwards here. Number 10 is a 1937 Bugatti Type 57S Cabriolet. And this was sold at Amelia
0: Island. To me, this looks like... This is going to piss somebody off, but it just looks like some shitty British car.
1: Well, yeah. it, It looks like an MGA, an early... It's a roadster, you know, because there is what's the other classic Bugatti where it just looks special, right? It's kind of the aircraft styling and it's yeah, super yeah. swoopy. The, like, that's like
0: the boat tail looking exactly. That boat thing's tail. that thing's cool because it's kind of got rivets that you can see exactly. Yeah, and it's really aircraft mechanical styling. and it's got
1: like the lever on the outside of the car. And it's almost like if I was an art critic, I'd know the word for that styling. But it's so like uh, not baroque, but it's very like. Ornamental, industrial. in its design and industrial. I guess in the it's same, like cool yeah. The mix shape of... is ornamental, but the way it's built is industrial. So that I could see as a vintage Bugatti bringing you know some big money. But this, do you know how much this sold for, Chris? No. What, so what this is number ten on our list, the least expensive. This sold for seven point seven million dollars. And this is obviously about just owning the car, because. Well, I mean, all of these big auctions, it's basically investors at at this point. You know, it's speculation on what the market's going to do for these cars. And I don't know. Oh, it actually, so I'm reading the the fine print here. It fell short of its $8.5 million low estimate. So, again, it's all this speculation of what these cars are going to do, basically as a commodity now. Or not the commodity, but an asset of what they're going to do. Right.
0: I'm just trying to find a picture of the Bugatti you're mentioning because it's super... It's super awesome. I'm just trying to.
1: Oh, you're trying to look at what that one is. Yeah, yeah. Google vintage Bugatti or w- oh, a well,
0: T51. I think is what it's called. Okay, maybe you're that. Or it's I'm somewhere. gonna I'm
1: gonna keep going down the list, and you can you can circle back when you find that. Okay. So number nine then is a 1963 Jaguar E Type lightweight. So we all know what the classic E Type super long hood British sports car is. They made a super lightweight version of this, which I think was specifically just for racing. Okay, yeah, so, it is the so T-51. we're looking at the T51. That's the first, that's earlier than I was thinking. That's the one where you have the reverse, or the the positive camber in the front yeah. wheels, the old open wheel racer. Right. There's one more from the 30s, kind of the swoopy styling that I was thinking of. And maybe it's not even a Bugatti, but I thought it was. Um, but yeah, that is a Bugatti, the T51. And I know that's worth a ton of money as well. Now here's the T35. I'm just pulling up these.
0: So this is the vintage Bugatti podcast. Yeah, right there. The Type 35B.
1: And it's it looks cool when it's you see a drawing of it. Right. It really looks super neat. So. Yeah. So the Bugatti went for 7.7. 7. This Jaguar E-Type lightweight went for a, a solid 8 million. I think that... A nice even number. The, that, uh, that Bugatti just doesn't look good in the, in the picture. You're talking when, about the one that went for 7.7. So when, 7. you, when
0: they used to design cars, they wouldn't... I don't know that they did like three-quarter angles like that. They did side profiles. <laughs> they, they didn't did design fl- fl- it to look good in a photo? No. Yeah, I suppose not, right? Yeah. Um, no, but it's... The way that the picture is doesn't make the car look very good. Because I've seen angles of that car that make it look phenomenal. Right. But that particular picture doesn't look right. that
1: great. And we'll link to this so you guys can see you know, some what of the pictures. We're, what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, and then number eight. This one kind of comes as no surprise it's a ferrari 250 gt short wheelbase yep this is kind of the you know besides this is kind of the ultimate ferrari the 250 and this went for 8.3 million dollars um i saw one of these just only built 167 examples were built it's beautiful and what's funny is that
0: um when you look under these cars they're just kind of like Square tubing, <laughs> like they're not like super phenomenally engineered. Right. Well, they, were, they were all are hand super, built. Super, super beautiful cars.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number seven on the list, another Ferrari, another two fifty. Actually, so this is the nineteen fifty nine two fifty California long wheelbase Spider. So this is, I think, the Ferris Bueller's Day Off car. Okay. That was a two fifty California. Okay. So this went for nine point five million dollars, and what was what was Ferris's friend's name? I forget now. I don't know. Anyways, yeah, so he would have ruined nine point five million dollars.
0: I don't think this is. I don't really like this car that much. Don't you? Nope.
1: Well, I just I don't like. The... You can invest your nine point five elsewhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sounds good. Uh, number six. This is surprising because this, this is not a classic vintage collected car. This is a modern car. It is a twenty seventeen Ferrari La Ferrari Aperta. I don't know what that Aperta Italian for open. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's Italian for open. This so is the special a edition. Convertible I guess I never realized. Top. Yeah. The La Ferrari was just the the coupe. It wasn't um, an open <laughs> roadster or convertible at this point. So this went for $10 million.
0: Great. As part of the commission, as part of the company's 70th anniversary celebration. Okay. All right. Yeah. And they made oh, two hundred. million. Here's why the, the proceeds went to charity. So anytime you see some of these cars that go to charity, there's always like a couple extra million thrown at them by people okay. that are...
1: And so this must have been like a new sale. They sold it at auction as the new vehicle, right? Sure. That, that I don't know. That makes sense. Uh, number five, I think, is one of Chris's favorites on the list here. We yeah. have a 1970 Porsche 917K. This is the long tail version of the 917 race car by Porsche. And this is um, the Gulf livery. I don't, kind think of this the is, I don't think this is the long tail. This is the short tail? Yeah. Okay. This is the long tail. You're right. Now that I'm looking at it, I don't know him well enough. <laughs> I was like, uh, I didn't say anything. Well, um, no one else could see right was now, as. Why'd <laughs> you have to call me out?
0: <laughs> this car was used as the camera car for uh, the, the film Le Mans. So Steve that's kind of cool. Yeah, Steve McQueen's okay. film. Okay, this particular
1: um, car itself was? Yeah, this was the camera okay. car. Okay.
0: I don't think it was actually r- no race history. Aside from being used as a test car at Le Mans, it was used for the camera car for Steve McQueen's film about the race. So no race history sells for $14 million. Yeah.
1: Wow. And- you know more about these than I do, but I remember my my favorite fact. There's two things that are super cool about this car. They called them what was it? Something like the the suicide lawn chair or something? Because I haven't sitting, heard that. Well, because it's so basically, they, of course, as a race car, wanted to make them as light as possible. So yeah. everything's so flimsy on it. And your seating position is super laid back. That, that basically felt like they were just sitting in a lawn chair. Yeah, but yeah, it's a lot so of the old cars fast. Like that, right? Yeah, plus, your your basically your legs are in front of the tires. Yeah, there so. was no front crash structure on these. Yeah, no, you didn't need and it. And the other thing was, it was all. If I'm correct, it was aluminum tube. If you don't frame. want to die. Don't crash. Yeah, basically. There's basically <laughs> all there is to it, it. Between the lines, so the whole chassis underneath this was aluminum, hollow aluminum tube frame, and the welds would crack under stress. This was something they found. Well, they really were magnesium. Testing. Magnesium, yes. Yeah. And so what they did, which I think is the coolest engineering solution, is they actually pressurized these hollow frames and put a little pressure gauge on there in the cabin. Yeah. So you could see see if the pressure went to zero, you know you have a frame in the cracks or a crack in the frame somewhere.
0: That's what's funny, is that when you think of all these cars that are like $15 million car, that chassis is not there anymore. That magnesium chassis fatigued long. Right. You're not going to be able to actually use it as a race car. No, so no, it's probably an aluminum remade chassis, is what it is. Oh, you're saying you think it like just deteriorated? Well, they don't deteriorate to nothing, but there's no way that you would ever participate in a vintage race or anything like
1: that. Well, do you think that's why these people purchase these things for fourteen million dollars? Uh, to actually go take them out on a do. vintage they race? Some people do get vintage raced. They do.
0: Yeah, wow. They, they do I mean, that's raised.
1: cool. I'd rather see that than have it sitting in a collection. But
0: I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. But I think that th- I don't think there's much left other than maybe like the engine case and stuff like that. Isn't
1: there an old saying like it's uh, Washington's axe and it's had 15 different heads and 30 different handles, but it's still the same axe? Yeah, exactly. So that's that's exactly what these cars what are.
0: Yeah, they're VIN numbers. With yeah, with a chassis built around the but there's plate. a lot of, I mean, some of the like, the, some of the throttle bodies and stuff like that are all original, and the motor probably has got a lot of original parts on it, and
1: well, and I'm sure it's very well documented too. Oh, have I'm a $14 sure. Million dollar, and car. that car
0: pro- wasn't raced really, so it's probably a lot of that car probably is original. Yeah. Um. So I don't even care about number four. So who cares? Okay. Well, it's um. A, but,
1: well, let's just talk the price. <laughs> it's a '66 Ferrari 275. This is kind of their longer nose i guess it's a gtb slash c it's a gt is, looking car right it's not anything i don't know it's, it's a good looking car one for 14.5 that was a race car
0: that's god 14 million <laughs> um no now this fan. one i think is cool because this is a f- fairly modern car right um, and
1: everyone knows this
0: car yeah it's a 1995 mclaren f1 and that sold for 15.6
1: 15.6 million this was a
0: car that was a million dollars when it was new that's true. Think about your even 10, five, 10 years ago, you could have got gotten one of these for a couple million. That's
1: a pretty good return. That's that's like yeah. up there with Bitcoin. If you bought Bitcoin back in the day,
0: yeah. Says so the the, McL- <laughs> the McLaren of one has been called the Ferrari G two fifty GTO of our time, uh, which is kind of neat. You know the rarity and everything well, like more that.
1: so because it it's higher on the list here than that Ferrari. Yeah. Well, we didn't see a GTO. That was just a two fifty California.
0: Um, no, there was a there was a that GTO wasn't there. a GTO. Oh, so yeah, it's just a GTO. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, who knows what those? That's probably a twenty million dollar car now. I'm sure. Um, and then on the list we've got another, another Ferrari 250 California. So I, this
1: is the same as the one above, but this is the long wheelbase. Yeah, looks like it. Right. So this went for we're making 18, a jump. Yep. Plus buyer million. premium.
0: <laughs> Does it say that? No, but it oh. is. It's plus buyer <laughs> premium. So. <laughs> and um, then aluminum body, competition spec, took fifth overall at Le Mans in 1959. So it has some racing pedigree, yeah, it's got some, some, some history
1: behind it. That's cool. Then, so uh, number one, this is the most expensive car this sold is at auction for me. Yeah, it's an Aston Martin, it's 1956 a DBR1. Aston Martin DBR1,
0: and it is absolutely stunning. It's a beautiful.
1: It car. is a beautiful car. I don't know much about it to be honest. I didn't. I mean, it's I've the most heard expensive British car sold at
0: auction ever. It won the Nurburgring in '59 and beat the previous price set for a British car, which was 21.7. That was a Jaguar D-Type. Hmm. So it's so it's a
1: convertible, wire wheels. It is a beautiful body. Yes, it, that's a beautiful car. We'll right. have to link to it, but yeah, wow! So twenty two point five million dollars. <laughs> <Huh. laughs>
0: all right. Well, we'll link to this so you guys can take a look at the list. Otherwise, you can just just can Google it yourself. Um, yeah. Why do you think some of these, all these cars? If you, what's the common thread in these? Well, it's, it's there's racing history. With a lot of these cars, that's
1: true. That was I was going to say rarity because well, some rarity of too.
0: Rarity is kind of obvious, but yeah, that's the given. It's the it's there all of these have cars some cars sort of racing history, like most of them do.
1: At least the pedigree to it. So, like the California was a street car.
0: Well, this one won this. The oh, one that's of true. Them, I mean, they all have. I mean, look at the, look at all the race numbers. You that's know, that's true. I mean, they're, the vast majority are of,
1: race cars.
0: So, I, I, why? Why, are, why is, what is it with vintage race cars? Is this, are we, just, have we just moved on to the next thing? Like, oh, we got the rich dudes are like, oh, we got to find the new thing. Well, that's what I was wondering.
1: Is it actually just these investors who have way too much money and don't even care about the cars that are just looking at it as a purely investment?
0: I think it's both. I don't think you get into investing in cars and don't like cars. I would agree. Because otherwise you'd be doing real estate, right? That's true. I mean, you'd be buying buildings and those are about as boring as it gets. No one's driving a building around the Nürburgring. <laughs> so it's, you know, that's, that's how I would look at it. Is I think it's a lot of investment, but uh, it's a lot of people parking money as well.
1: Right. And yeah. so this kind of goes back to what you talked about last week or the week before, that kind of how you're saying we're, in the, golden area because we're right. in the golden era of motoring because we have this nostalgia. What part of
0: this money that people are throwing at this is to own something that they know is a finet resource, that they need to appreciate it right now. Right. Because in however many years, these guys are going to be able to honestly... If you think about it, these guys are gonna race these cars till the day they die if they want to. They can I go would to, like to think so. You know, but what?
1: I I guess the the stereotype I have in mind of these people who are going to these auctions, you know, they're they're well dressed with their martinian they're not. hand they don't. They're I not sat next gonna, to a
0: guy when I was at in Monterey and the dude had a suit on, it was black with like a turtleneck, and he had dandruff all over his thing, and he was <laughs> he was he was he was betting money, big yeah. money.
1: So he was one of the, the high bidders. Well, yeah. yeah. huh. Yeah, I mean, I I liked the idea that these are actually enthusiasts who are going to be buying and using these cars, and they're not just sitting in a personal museum, basically. I
0: mean, there's probably some of that, too. I mean, nobody's going to be driving that $22 million Aston Martin around. But there are videos of people crashing, you know, Ferrari 250 race cars. Yeah, at these vintage vintage races. And it doesn't matter when it's that valuable, and you've got that much money, you'll just fucking fix it.
1: And it's yeah, not, but the car will never be worth
0: as the, much, it, I don't it, think. It was never perfect anyway. All these cars were wrecked. They're all junk. They were all. Most of them have always hit, They've all hit something.
1: You think you so? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know enough about these kind of collector-level cars.
0: All these cars are worth so much money that they'll just fix them, especially hmm. stuff with pedigree. That's all that matters. You know they'll fix the fender. They'll, so it's they'll what you it. said before. It's
1: basically you got the VIN plate. You got the VIN plate. That's, that says this was the car, yeah. and it doesn't matter how many restorations it's had. So, so
0: for those of you that don't know, this is this week is the North American International Auto Show, That's which right. is uh, which is a pretty big show. It's where a lot of the domestic manufacturers and some of the European manufacturers and China manufacturers uh, release yeah. a lot of news.
1: So it's basically the first big auto show of the year for the manufacturers, year. Yep. Yep. and this is in Detroit. Yep. So we have some news from this. Um, one that I like here, we'll, we'll go right into our first story here is the famous car from the movie bullet with Steve McQueen was a 1968 Mustang. Yeah. And this car is green. Yep. What color green is that? I, don't I just know read green. it was, I think they just call it like all the new ones will call it bullet green. It, it does have a green name. There's a name to it. Right. Um, um whatever. That's not that important. No, it isn't. But it,
0: it's cool. The Sierra car was Green? basically the. I don't think so. That doesn't sound familiar. So the car was um was purchased by this uh Mr. Kiernan, who it's this dude's dad. Okay, so this guy's dad okay. buys this this Mustang, and basically puts like twenty or thirty thousand miles on it, and then parks it in his garage. So and that's it. He just parked it in the garage and never drove it again. But he actually Steve McQueen found out who owned it, and wrote the guy letters. To try and get him to sell the car back to him.
1: So, did I miss how did it go from the movie set to this? It just guy's got garage. It just, just randomly bought. sold. Yeah, he had I mean, no connection a, to the movie. I don't.
0: That I don't know. Okay. He might have. I didn't read that he. But did. regardless, the so, guy lives on the East Coast, and I'm sure okay. the movie was filmed. It was filmed in San Francisco, right? Yeah. So I mean, it's 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 far far from there. But he, uh, so in Steve McQueen's later life, when he was like 50, tried to buy the car back from the guy, and the guy wouldn't sell him the car. Wow. So this was a letter. um, Yeah, they
1: actually have a copy of the letter that Steve McQueen wrote. It says, Dear
0: Mr. Kiernan, again, this is his second letter to the guy. So he's, yeah. He didn't even respond to the first letter. So it says, (laughs) Again, I would like to appeal to you to get back my 68 Mustang. I would very much like to keep it in the family in its original condition as it was used in the film. And so the car was never touched. It still is original, um, estimated to be like worth like three or four million dollars. And,
1: well, and I was well, just let me finish in, reading the letter. Okay, go ahead.
0: Um, I would very much like to keep it in the family in its original condition as it was used in the film rather than have it restored, which is simply personal with me. I would be very happy to try to find you another thing similar to the one you have if there's not too much money involved in it. Otherwise, we had better forget it.
1: Which is kind of funny <laughs> that Steve McQueen, back at the time, like he was a well-to-do actor. Yeah. He goes, well, I want it, but I don't want it too much where I have to pay otherwise, too much on another. Otherwise, we had
0: better forget it. I can just that's great. With kindest regards, I remain very truly yours, Steve McQueen. Um,
1: it's funny that letter itself is probably worth quite a bit of money too.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it goes with the car, yep. I imagine. Um, I just don't know. I mean, they they have an auction the car. The car has really remained. So it's just
1: it's with this guy still. With this guy.
0: It's in his garage. Well, now his kid has it, his right. son. So they brought it out and they had it at the North North American International Auto Show, Detroit Auto Show. What was
1: the kind of the event or precipice to have it out? Was it just that they kind of Well, they're doing it? another
0: bullet car. They're doing oh, another bullet okay. Mustang. So that's kind of the... I got gotcha. you. So now they brought the car out to park yep, it next to the other sense. one. And, uh, Highland Green Mustang. There you go. Right there. So that's what it looks like now. Um, basically the Holy Grail Mustang, right? Yeah. But um,
1: it's probably the most famous Mustang. Have say. you seen the movie? Oh yeah, it's, several times. It's boring. Though I know. I always fast forward to however many minutes minutes in it is. Yeah. With the what is the other car the guy has? It's a 1970 Challenger.
0: That's right. Yeah. With the with the dude in the suit with the glasses chasing
1: after yep, him or whatever. And the sawed off shotgun.
0: So it's a great chase scene, but the rest of the movie sucks. And yeah. I, and, I don't and it's think not,
1: uh, you know, you, you say it's great. It's very famous and notorious. The quality, I mean, it's a 70s movie, you, right? Well, you have to take it in context. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, it's it's a good classic car chase. But yeah, the quality, you know, the film, slip, you know, they clip it a couple times and you can see the car go behind the building it's supposed to crash into, I remember. There's a lot of kind of fun facts if you watch it closely. Yeah, well, but no, that's cool that it, it was out there. I would have liked like, to have seen it. You know what in other person. movie
0: is boring, hmm. La Yeah, it's boring.
1: I've only seen it once.
0: <laughs> it's, I mean, it's the sounds are cool, and you can you can kind of fast forward around and kind of look at the movie and watch certain parts of it. Yeah, but if you're gonna sit down and watch La it is a boring ass movie.
1: Yeah, you probably would rather watch something else. Yeah.
0: So I've I've actually never made it through that movie all the way. Really, never. Neither I, one of them. I, just I rented can't do it when it.
1: I was in a like a, a Steve McQueen kick. You know, when he was like. I, for some reason he has this he's the king of cool right, right? and so when i started getting to that i remember i rented or somewhere found it online *Lemons*, and watched the whole thing and yeah it, it wasn't a super entertaining well it's just movie. like you
0: know the only reason it's cool now is because we know right. why it's cool back, right back and then it the wasn't nostalgia. that cool he was just steve mcqueen yeah i mean he was largely popular and considered great but that great, was for some
1: of his other more blockbuster hits sure so, uh, next piece of news from the Motor Show, uh, Ford is coming back into the mid-sized truck game with, with the, Ranger. the Ford Ranger. And the only
0: reason I really wanted to bring this up is because the Ford plant used to be here. Right. And I'm pissed off. Why? Because they used to build the Ford Ranger in Minneapolis, right in St. Paul, right on the river. They had a huge plant, and they just said, oh, we're not going to make the Ranger anymore, and then they tore the plant
1: down. Yeah. That sucks. And you're saying they should have just, if they're going to come back in a Why couple didn't years. Why did the city
0: of Minneapolis or St. Paul give them some sort of incentive to keep it there they should they had all the infrastructure everything was yep. there
1: all the employees were set up i just how did that not you're right because how many like the economic loss not only of everything moving but now ford has to set all this up again yeah they could have saved all that money Well, this is like a this jobs. is an all new
0: chassis so they would have had to do some they re. oh yeah but
1: <laughs> but the facility is there all the the factory itself and i think that this is the, this
0: truck is the same honestly i think it's kind of stupid it doesn't seem like that useful of a truck to me. Well, it's a short box. Right. So you're not really doing a ton of work with it. You know, I'm sure there's going to be videos out there of people pouring gravel into the thing and saying well, the, best truck the, ever yeah, and, yeah, and the rocks are going to be flying out of it as they drive it like irresponsibly over some well, sand dunes. Well,
1: here's what's dune. interesting. So my Hummer out there, the H3T, that's a mid sized truck. That's yeah. basically the same size truck. And I I like that size of truck. And it's technically I mean it's smaller than an F one fifty, which this is, but the other thing it's is It's better cars, looking
0: than an F one fifty.
1: Yeah, it does have a more um kind of sleek front end. But honestly, if you just showed someone a picture, if you didn't tell me this was the Ranger and just showed it to me, say, like, Oh, it's the next F one fifty. Right. Like it's very similar style. What's
0: the Volkswagen truck? That's the
1: not the Tiguan, the uh Rutan. No. That's the Rutan's V-van. a man.
0: <laughs> Volkswagen has a truck too that looks pretty cool. I don't remember what it's called. Yeah.
1: And we can't get them here.
0: No, we cannot. But I think that the the point is, is that this market's pretty... It's the Amarok, Volkswagen yes, Amarok. Yeah, I do um, like those. This market's pretty, pretty well-saturated. I don't know that...
1: It is. Yeah, the headline of this article we're reading is, can Ford Ranger crash Chevy's small truck party? I'd rather have a Chevy
0: Colorado anyway. Yeah. I'd rather have a used diesel Chevy Colorado, is what I would take. But the problem with the Colorado is it's almost as expensive as... Uh, just a Silverado, I right? Mean, it's up there. I mean, they're both really expensive. I know. And trucks, why the hell are trucks, trucks so expensive? Are so expensive. Is this where these manufacturers make their margins so they can do everything else?
1: Maybe it is. Because, I, I mean, it's that. because what I like in a truck and what I like about my truck is it's very utilitarian, it's very simple. I have, you know, cloth seats, manual transmission, everything else. But yeah, these trucks are kind of like the do everything for people now, where it's a luxury. You know, heated seats and leather interior and every single sat nav and gizmo you can have in it, you know, and it just happens to have a towing capacity in a bed.
0: So I just pulled up a picture of the Volkswagen Amarok. Doesn't it look like the Ranger
1: in a way? I think you could almost pull up any midsize truck today. And they look very similar.
0: That's true. That's probably. But true. yeah,
1: it's it's because they're getting a little more rounded. They got away from the very like stark boxy look from years ago. Right. So it's if you have basically the. So what's the, the point of one of these trucks? Style. What's the point?
0: What's the point of owning a small truck like this? I would consider this a small truck, right? I mean, this is basically a, on line of an S10.
1: It's what an S10 used to be. But here's the thing: this what's is the, the same size truck as what an F150 used to be. You know what? 10 no, it's years not. Ago? I mean,
0: this is still a short box. You're not putting a piece of
1: plywood in the back. Without it, without it
0: hanging out of the top of the tailgate. Yeah.
1: So what is this thing used I do for?
0: That. What's it used for, though?
1: I, I use mine for everything that you're going to... I mean, that's a broader question that I think a lot of people would ask. What, what do you use your F-150 for? Because most of the time, you're just seeing them drive down the freeway, yeah. not hauling anything. That's true. And that's a big criticism that people face.
0: So people are basically buying this truck to use it every once in a while, but otherwise hauling their kids around. Right. Okay, well that's stupid.
1: Yeah, and the reason it's a short box is so they can have the rear doors. And that's doors. why they've gotten.
0: I here's my theory. Okay. That's why they've gotten so expensive is because people are using them as their family vehicles. So now they which expect. Is, so now they expect a certain amount comforts. of creature comforts. That's what comforts. I was getting at. So now that now you have a fifty sixty thousand dollar truck yep. that it has, it's basically an SUV with a bed exactly. that your wife has to be okay with driving. Yep. Versus, I mean, you could still get like a fleet truck, right? Like you can go get a Dodge Ram, single cab, crank windows, radio right. only. I mean that's probably going to be.
1: I wonder if you can get crank windows still. Yeah, I don't know. You definitely can't get just AM radio, Chris. I didn't say AM radio. Oh, I just for said some reason oh, that's radio. what I thought. <laughs> Jesus, man. You <laughs> want a really stripped-down truck? <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I I don't want any radio.
1: Well, I remember even like ten years ago, it was hard for you to get a manual transmission in one of these base trucks. You had to special order order the manual transmission because even the base line kind of stripper. Utility truck still had an automatic in it. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. No. It's it's interesting. The whole we'll see how the they truck do market. Else. You're not really a truck guy, I'm other not a than truck dude. You have your suburban that you pull your, Tahoe. your boat with. It's it's Tahoe. Tahoe. Yeah. Okay. Sorry.
0: Oh, well, it's good. Get, it gets better fuel economy.
1: Oh, so you're you're very <laughs> <laughs> proud of your it's fuel what care economy. About. Yeah, I Yeah. Out. And, and no heat. It's awesome. So, um, what else do we got? Anything else from the? Yeah. The uh, we that uh, so I so mentioned show. that Chinese automaker like the other day
0: they're trying to bring their car to america. Okay. So they're they're trying to pierce the american market. And the thing is is that it's I'm less concerned about like a chinese manufacturer being here cuz I don't care if right. they're going to bring a product here. But everything I've always felt about chinese auto manufacturers is that they're jerks and they just copy people. And they're just garbage well, cars that
1: China is very good at taking an innovative piece of technology and reverse engineering it. Yes. They're very good at doing that to make money and do it quickly and cheaply because that's what they were, you know, all the ripoff like electronics and everything. I remember that was a big problem. And so, yeah, basically, I think what they're going to be doing with their automotive automotives, automobiles is kind of reverse engineering what's already out there what works but that probably could be said for any new auto manufacturer you're going to be looking at kind of what's out yeah there but they they go
0: overboard like they'll release an suv that looks exactly like a land rover <laughs> well you know what they're I mean, probably doing exactly like it
1: what what happens a lot is when you ship a lot of these things over to these factories in china there are some illegal activities where they're oh, stealing sure. the molds and oh, just yeah. using the exact same components why not
0: it's China. Who gives a <laughs> shit? But the thing is, they have. We can't sell our cars there. There's a 25% tariff.
1: So China's putting a 25% tariff on our goods going right. On. Okay. Which
0: basically inhibits some of the the sales, right? right? And here we've got a. Uh, we're hit with like a 2.5. I think we hit them with a 2.5% tariff. Okay. So Chinese built cars shipped to the United States and they're face just probably going to be more
1: than 2.5% cheaper than some of the other stuff on the market here. Yeah.
0: So it's. Well, maybe. You don't think so? Well, think of it this way: What are we gonna do? Are we actually, if they start trying to come into this market, are we gonna pop the tariff up? Are we gonna maybe? Are we gonna all of a sudden ramp the tariff tariff up to ten, twenty five percent?
1: Is that what you want? I, I know you love government regulation, Chris. This
0: is tariffs are interesting because it's not really you're not really punishing the manufacturer; you're punishing the consumer. So when you put a tariff, okay. on, when, if you have but something but you're
1: you're getting in the way of free market.
0: Tariffs I have nothing to do with free markets. So you have like, a, let's say you have a ten dollar item, and you put a twenty five percent tariff on it. That means you basically you're adding a tax of two dollars and fifty cents onto the cost of the car. So and then it's it's a twelve dollars and fifty cents item. You're
1: therefore directing consumers what to purchase.
0: Right. That's awful.
1: I agree. And I'm it trying doesn't to... it doesn't help anybody. There should be no
0: tariffs. It should just be whatever. Oh, I the... thought
1: you were saying you don't have a problem with tariffs.
0: No, I don't really like it just because it's it's the cost gets passed on to the consumer. You're not punishing yeah. the company really.
1: Well, with reduced sales. Yeah, but.
0: I, I don't care about Chinese companies. I care about the no, American I consumer. And if the American consumer wants to buy a Chinese car and they're getting penalized 25%, that's not fair. That's not yeah, fair to, I see to what you, mean you know, there. So especially when they, when all of a sudden, you know, there's a tariff war going on, it's just increased costs for everybody. And right. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that.
1: So Isn't that still a thing? It's called the chicken tax. And that's why we can't get, what is it? So you still can't import, speaking of mid sized trucks, you can't import. A foreign mid-sized truck into the US because of something called the chicken law or the chicken tariff. And you can look this up. Hey, I have no idea. No, I okay, but and the reason they we can get like a Toyota, what is it, a tundra is the midsize? Because they're actually assembled and built here. Right. It's a foreign truck, but it's built in the US i will have to look into that. That would irritate yeah. me even more. And so that's yeah, because that's why we can't get the Amarok There's unless tariffs they build on everything. it
0: for you. It's everything there, sh- on sugar pencils. I forget pencils. why it's called
1: the chicken tariff. It's something like they passed it in, what do they call it, where they put it into another bill. and Oh, goes. some earmark thing or yeah, something like exactly. that. Exactly. So Anyway. Okay, so we might see our, our Chinese SUVs. You know, and it's interesting, I was going to say... They're going to
0: fight it, I think. If there's a 25% tariff on our cars there and only two and a half for them to sell here, yeah. there's going to be a fight in Congress over that,
1: I, I think. am sure. I don't follow politics all that closely. But I was going to say, I, I think at first, or I was going to say that... Consumers, I think, would shy away from a Chinese just because of the, the. I guess, the thought of a Chinese car. Or but they, then you look at like Hyundai, or and Hyundai or Daewoo K- exactly. or Kia. Exactly. They're all doing Some well. Some people don't care.
0: I guess. Yes. They're not patriots. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Dude, I own a German car. You know? Yeah. It's not, I don't really Damn, care. Machine. You know, whatever. If someone sells a good product, I don't care who, where it's from. I okay. should just buy it. It's, okay.
1: So, on that note, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, I we should call this the truck episode because another uh, news. Well, this is influenced a lot by the Detroit Auto
0: Show. So, yeah. it's a lot of trucks in I the suppose Detroit Auto Show. because that's Detroit. We can skip that. We can just go to. Um, my favorite article of the day, which is GM takes st- has taken the steering wheels and okay. the pedals out of the Chevy Bolt and asked the feds to allow testing. So this basically this car, and I posted a picture of it. Yeah, you know people have seen it if they they follow the page. But it looks like two passenger seats smacked together with it a is. console in the middle. That's all is it is. Which is exactly what it is.
1: Yeah, because if you don't need driving controls, it's going to look exactly so like this, the passenger This seat.
0: would really be to me the first real level 5 automation I agree. vehicle. This is
1: what you think of when you imagine a self-driving car. You put in your address or you When I imagine it your the address, end of the world, this is what I oh, really <laughs> This is what I imagine is these. <laughs> you know what it doesn't have though is uh what was the really corny Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where the guy oh, had gee, the, I have no idea. The cab... It was like futuristic movie in the cab total driver, total recall. Yep. yep. Where he has the cab and he's yeah, a little around mechanical cab driver. That's what we need in these, though, still.
0: Well, that's in theory. That's the reason that you would have something like that is to kind of like make the person okay with, with getting the in the concept, back seat of a car with no, no driver. driver whatsoever. Yeah. So, this to pl- to placate the masses, you have like a so robot we're, in we're there. I see
1: that. I doubt it. <laughs> that would be awesome. So,
0: I don't, it's, it's just weird. It's just the concept is weird. It looks strange, and I just don't know. I mean, I think, man, I say things are moving fast every week. Yeah. But, man, now we're... I
1: still feel like... Here's the thing. I was driving over here, and the complexity of driving in the dark, in the snow, with traffic and everything else that... I mean, I say it's complex, and there's... What does that have
0: to do with anything? You've got... The traction control systems in these cars are incredible already. Yeah. So, I mean, what... I mean, they've already got a total system to deal with any kind of snow.
1: I just... I guess I don't know enough about it to wrap my brain around the fact that it can take all these sensors and say this is this is the road even when there's an inch of snow on the ground. You know? How I is it, it ever going to have that much It must
0: have some sort of also GPS an idea of where it is because that's good to a couple feet so you're driving on a road <laughs>
1: so you're gonna be driving in the ditch next to the freeway
0: well close enough i think a lot of it also depends on cars around you yeah know, judging distance no, and stuff i'm sure like that. it does I it's just, totally not there yet and i think I that know.
1: but uh. but it's close and we're getting there but i just it, these have to be kind of like ideal conditions for it to work ideally right now yes yeah yeah
0: but still, oh, this is—I mean—they're trying to get this out there. I guess they allow like twenty-five hundred cars a year to be to make to be made. Oh, or really? Some, well, to to be able to make it, so they're requesting from the feds to be able to produce this car because they need permission from the government to to make the car or whatever. So, you know, we'll see. You know what ends yeah. up happening. With I was this.
1: thinking about this on the way over. It's like how there's so many other contingencies that are still unknowns about this whole thing. Like, let's say these every other car out there is now a self-driving. Like it's that normalized. What happens if the two of them get in an accident then? Like who who's at I fault?
0: Think, I think it would be extremely rare that they ever do.
1: Okay. What happens if one can't brake quick enough and rear ends me?
0: Why would it? Because the car in front of it is already maintaining the correct distance. Not
1: if I'm manually driving and the one behind that's me is the, automated. That
0: is the issue. Is if you if you've got humans and the automation stuff driving together, and then the
1: machines will try to take over. They will.
0: It's but that that's the problem. Is you have humans making mistakes around automated right. cars that's so that's then kind is it the always of, gonna
1: be whoever the human driver is regardless of current laws on the books i'm like, guessing
0: it's gonna you these automated cars are gonna have a log built in you'll be able to look and see what happened yeah that's and, true and they're yeah. all gonna
1: have cam- well they all have cameras built in so all right. you have to do is yeah pull it down from the data bank and say
0: well that's what they're talking about in, in congress and stuff like that is they're like whoa, 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 whoa. we don't really all of this stuff is moving so fast that we don't have any regulation in place to try and figure well, out. Not only that,
1: they don't have any idea how to no. make laws around it, which no, I not suppose yet. is no different than most <laughs> lawmakers. It's making probably laws
0: true. So it's kind of like this weird wild, wild west right now. Yeah. Which is which is kind of interesting.
1: I was so sick of traffic on the way over here, though. I, I told Chris I walked in the door because I know he was so sour about this to go. You know, I for one welcome our self driving car overlords because I am sick of being stuck in rush hour and not moving and people almost rear ending me and crashing into me. As long as it doesn't. Well, you can
0: put their, your trailer hitch right through the radiator. It doesn't really yeah, matter. Exactly. With that, with that new trailer hitch thing that you've got, to just destroy <laughs> yeah. somebody's car if they ever, if they ever ran into yeah. it. Yeah. So. But
1: no, it, it is the weirdest looking thing to see, no driving controls whatsoever in a car. Sure. Um. So the
0: uh the other thing I wanted to mention is um. So you probably have heard about these the subscription things, which is almost like a lease, but you can exactly. pick whatever car you want.
1: So it's like a lease for a vehicle. But you basically sign up as you would, like you said, a subscription service for a year or two years. I forget the the time limits, but then you're not limited to one vehicle. So you're not leasing a vehicle. You're subscribing to a service where you can then take in your Porsche is even doing it. So yep. You can take in your Cayenne and say, you know what, for the next month, I want that 911. Right. And I don't know what the restrictions are around it. I'm sure it's different. I'm sure you get a certain amount of swaps
0: per month. You get a certain amount of swaps per week. I
1: would almost do that. It's kind I know, of a I cool would idea.
0: I, strangely, I would as well. Rather, I, I, mean, this I is hate like the idea real luxury of a thing. Lease
1: because you don't own it and you're just... I, something about a lease still, this I don't This is still... Love. But th- this is enough where it's...
0: I think this is the future of almost all car purchasing. Really? Yeah, I think that you're going to see a lot of no one's going to own their own stuff. Why? I think what you're going to see is you're going to see businesses um, have services for their employees.
1: Oh, so it's like group health insurance that I get through my employer. Right. Especially with automated cars
0: and stuff like that. You're going to see, well, we have a fleet of cars. These cars all come up, come pick our employees up for work and bring them to work.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's already I had it actually on our sheet here. That's already being tested. Um, My dad works for 3M here in minnesota okay. and he sent me a link that they have these driving pods that they're testing out this year i hate the word pods i think that's it's, what the, yeah, the thing called it's, what it. it's gonna be yeah i had it here somewhere but and i don't know much about it but the, yeah they're, they're here it's it's already happening
0: so they're 3m has cars to pick up their employees or not yet but they're looking but at they're testing looking into it. it and it was something about testing it with the super Bowl. yeah they were thinking about testing you right? know auto auto taxi stuff with and i the think super it's related Bowl. to that yeah probably
1: but still it's crazy yeah, I don't know. It's it's all happening so fast. I don't... <laughs> But again, I'm going to be the optimist on the show and say it's not going to be all bad. No, it
0: isn't. It's it's in some ways it's happening so fast now that for the next known future, we're going to be able to drive whatever we want. So I'm not worried. Well, yet. And
1: Like you said, it's going to be the Wild West where it's going to be crazy. Like, and yeah, then... I'm
0: curious to see the innovation that comes out. I'm sure it'll be interesting and I'm sure we'll have some cool drama, not cool drama. Uh, horrifying drama of automated cars running people over. Oh yeah, so that'll be gonna that'll be, be great.
1: And then, do we no longer need like a DD? Can we go out to the bar and just take our self-driving car drives us home?
0: Yeah, why not? Although, hmm, what if you got? See, all these what all you got? Kind of What if you got pulled over? You're like, well, I'm I, I'm not driving. Right. That's prove what it. I
1: mean. Prove it. And that's the whole point of the law not keeping up with the technology.
0: Yeah. So I think that you're. St- I think you would still get penalized if you were in your I'm, Tesla. I'm sure you would. And you but what if drunk. you're sitting in the back seat? You can't, because you have to touch the steering wheel every once in a while.
1: Okay, yeah, you're Tesla. There's but...
0: one guy who put a he was putting a grapefruit what? on the steering wheel, so he had like a grapefruit that he would set on the steering wheel, and it was basically the car Tricking thought it was his arm. Car. So he had a grapefruit sitting on the steering wheel, <laughs> and Tesla tweeted out like, "This is not okay. This is not don't, how the don't do is this. We don't
1: condone this. That's so, hilarious." Yeah, huh? Wow. Well, it's uh, yeah, it's gonna be an interesting landscape going forward.
0: Yep, we'll see how it goes. Well, until then. That's it for this week. All right, Well, thank probably you a, guys. a news-packed article. Yeah, it so was. I hope you enjoy that. We've got a we've got a couple uh, s- some cool fresh ones coming out next week. Um, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna be out of town, so we recorded a couple special ones for you. I've got Mark White from Akimoto, yep. Um the Porsche shop down in Madison, came in and we interviewed him as a guest, so he's going to be here. And then we have uh, another uh, another one with some some of my friends that do uh, do some racing. So we've got an interview with those guys, and uh, we're going to air that one. one as well. That So that's what's coming up for you guys. I'm really excited to show you those. Awesome. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for telling a friend. I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you later. Take care.